morning to sing of our Savior, I appreciate, and as I said earlier, I'm so thankful for a church that worships, that uh, knows what to be loud about. Uh, the world gets loud about a lot of different things, basketball teams and baseball teams and football teams, kind of, and uh, a whole bunch of other things, concerts and whatever, but we have a Savior who saved us. We've been rescued, and uh, I think that's worth singing about. I think that's worth being loud about, and our affections and our joys and our energies belong in that area. So um, can I just say, is God's grace still, uh, we ask for more of it, and we need it every hour. As we sang, uh, let's continue on as a church and be a church that worships like that. And uh, I just want to thank you for that. Let's open in prayer, and uh, if you want to get ready, uh, even right now, before I start, we'll be in Psalm 146. <clears throat> Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, for each one who is here, Father, and for those who couldn't be here. Lord, now we pray as we look into your word, Father, may we be encouraged by it, may we be changed by it. Father, may we allow your Holy Spirit to move within us as individuals. Father, guard us from the temptation for saying, I wish someone else was here to hear this. Father, this word, your word is for each of us. And so, Father, this morning, speak through it. Lord, uh, use me, uh, a weakened vessel, and Lord, uh, uh, just a jar of clay. But Father, by your grace and through Jesus Christ, you make all things uh, sufficient. And so we ask for you to be with us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> so it's, it's kind of fun, I think you've heard me say this before, it's kind of fun to say, hey, uh, Ron, you're gonna teach on June 21st, and uh, I get to like, start the treasure hunt of, of the text that I get to preach in. But sometimes it's kind of hard. Like with high school, sometimes you just know. You teach through a book, you know where you're at, and you get a flow, and you feel good about it. Other times, it takes a little bit more... Uh, work when you get the one shot and you got to get it done in, in the moments that you have and uh, you do it. But for whatever reason, I was reading one morning and, and I came to this psalm and I said, I, I want to I teach on this. And I believe God uh, laid it upon my heart. Let's read the psalm together and uh, then we'll, we'll discuss it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose hope is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Now we're in a section of Psalms, when we do this, this starts, Psalm 146 starts 
a call to praise, where the authors of the Psalms, I actually believe this is David, we'll talk about that maybe in a little bit, but 146 to the end, they are blanketed by a call to praise. Look at Psalm 146, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 10. Praise the Lord. See how that starts and finishes with a call to praise. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Look at the last verse. How does it end? Praise the Lord. Psalm 148, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. And how's it end in verse 14? Praise the Lord. Psalm 149, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. And then in verse 9, it closes with again a call to praise. Praise the Lord. In Psalm 150, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord is what hallelujah is the actual Hebrew word there. Each one starts off hallelujah and ends with hallelujah. So what is hallelujah? You ever wonder that? Is it just a song that's really popular and gets played on American Idol? Um, you know, and everyone goes, oh, what a beautiful song. And, and, and then you listen to it and you go, ooh, that's not really the praise that belongs to our God. It's off. But what is hallelujah? It's, it's something that's exclaimed often, isn't it? The world will use it once in a while for, to shout out happiness. But really, it's a transliteration of, of two Hebrew words, hallelujah and yah. Now, hallelujah, hallelujah is a second person imperative. I know, I, I'm just, I read this somewhere. I, you know I'm not that smart. But hallelujah is a second person imperative of praise. So it says to praise. But Yah is the short form of Yahweh. So understand that the name Yahweh is the personal name for God. It's not a generic word for God. Some people will say praise God and who knows what they're talking about. Right? God who? Zeus? Who are you talking about? But when... The Hebrews, and, and when David here, again, I'm tipping my hat that I believe David wrote this, says, hallelujah, he's saying, praise the God you know, Yahweh. Praise him. Shouting hallelujah is a cry for all to worship boldly and to stand and say that praise is reserved for our God, the God we know. Remember in Exodus chapter three, where God introduced himself? To Moses through the burning bush and Moses says what am I supposed to tell Pharaoh what am I supposed to say he says you say Yahweh sent you I am God does not defend himself you know it's interesting in the Bible I'm, I'm off script but that's okay Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth he does not defend himself wouldn't it be you know wouldn't you think maybe she goes and let me tell you about why I am God and let's go back before that. No, in the beginning, God. 
God is above all, God stands alone, God is mighty, omnipotent creator, he does not defend himself, he says, I am God. And yet, he says, you can know me. And so hallelujah is a call to praise. Look at Psalm 96. Psalm 96, verse 5. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. You see, when people have gods, small g, they're worthless. But our God, who we can know and who we know, we give praise to, for he is the creator. Yahweh made the heavens. I read an article once by John Piper saying that he likes to put a, a joyful pause between his hallelujahs. He likes to go, hallelujah, to announce that the praise is for our God. And uh, I always get in trouble here. I get a little bit off. We, in youth group, like 20-something years ago, um, when I was a youth pastor, we had a, a worship singer. Do you guys know the song? Hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord. Remember that one? You guys know that? So we would always like do it in, you know, with youth kids. We're like, okay, you're the hallelujahs and you're the yes. And we go, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And they go, yeah. They would, they would yell it out. And now that I think about it, how appropriate. God is who we praise, Yahweh, the God we know. And so, in Psalm 146, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. We agree with the writers of, of catechisms that the chief end of man is what? To glorify God, to give him praise. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. We even sing that. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, O Lord. We sing that song. So our psalm jumps into the reasons to praise Yahweh. And he starts off with a warning. Verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. So we give a warning. Do not put your trust in princes or in any man. We see here the foolishness of trusting in man. Did you know man is prone to mistakes? Maybe that's a shock to someone, but not for me, because I make many of them. But do you know we often make tremendous errors regarding some pretty important things and some not-so-important things? Some of the not-so-important things, I really should have gotten chicken fajitas instead of the beef. Yeah, okay, a mistake, but no big deal. But some of them are big. Sometimes we make big mistakes. So I did something today in prep, or not today, I did it this week, in preparation for today's message. I did a web search, and this is what I punched in there. Big mistakes in history. You guys want a surprise? It wasn't hard to find illustrations. Not at all. They were all over the place. Here's a few. 
Decca Records in 1962 rejected the Beatles. They said, you sound too much like the shadows. How many shadow records y'all have out there? <laughs> no one wants guitar quartets anymore. Hmm. How about this one? Uh, we'll be fine. We don't need lifeboats for every passenger. This ship is unsinkable. <laughs> Here's a nice one. Worked out well in our favor. We don't, what are we going to do with a massive frozen tundra? Let's sell it to the Americans for two cents an acre. Oh, wow. Russia selling Alaska. I wish Steve was here. Because on a, uh, a Mars uh, satellite, meant to orbit Mars, a satellite was uh, sent up. NASA used the metric system. Lockheed Martin used the English system. <laughs> that satellite's bye-bye. <laughs> Western Union Telegraph called the telephone a toy and said, we have no need to purchase a patent for this. For $100,000, they rejected the patent to the telephone. How do you guys, not too many emojis going through the telegraph, are there? That didn't work out too well. M&M candies didn't want to be an ET, so Reese's Pieces took it, and their growth was 65% in the following months. These are kind of fun, I got, I got one more. This is a doozy. 20th Century Fox signed over all merchandising rights for Star Wars to George Lucas for a $20,000 deduction from his check. Wow. <laughs> to the tune of $3 billion and counting today. That was a mistake. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. I will just say this, I don't like getting into politics at all, but you know on election day, about 50.9% of the country thinks everything's going to be great. The other 49, uh, no, you're asking me to do math off the top of my head. The other 49% thinks we're doomed. Put not your trust in princes. It doesn't go well either way. Why? Because they're men. Our reading today said that in Psalm 118. We saw that. It's interesting too, as I said, people, people don't know exactly, but others agreed and said that this is a psalm from David. Isn't it interesting that a king is proclaiming to people inspired by God to speak to us even today, a king saying, do not put your trust in princes. David knew his fallibility. He's saying, don't do it. Don't put your trust. And here's one now, if I'm David, David, people sung songs about David. Did you know that? Remember when he fled from Saul and he ended up uh, to uh, Achish, the king of Gath, and they're saying, why are you fleeing? Isn't this David, the one who's killed? You know, Saul's killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. People sang and danced about David's great works. And he's saying, do not put your trust in princes. If you want to look that up, that's in 1 Samuel chapter 21. 
See, David was a man of great fame and renown, but he's saying don't put your trust in princes or in any man. Salvation is not found in any man. Look at Psalm 2. You know, it's, 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 the world is a mess. Yet God is sovereign, and we know that these things are going to happen until the Lord returns, right? But what, so if the kings of this earth, the rulers of this earth say, hey, we're in control, listen how God handles this. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against God, against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Here is God's response. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son today. I have begotten you. Ask of me. I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Who's coming again? Jesus. Who is his inheritance? Us and the earth. People plot against God, God laughs. He says, are you kidding me? You, stand, you don't stand a chance. So we need not worry about man in their ways. Verse four, and back in our text, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. See, it's foolish to place our trust in man because we're human. We die. When his death, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that day, his plans perish. Remember in Luke 12, if you want to turn there, um, yeah, we're turning a little bit today, but I'll probably slow down in a little bit. Luke 12, verse 16. Verse 16 of Luke 12. And he told them, Jesus told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plenty, plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
Boy, do we make plans, don't we? Sometimes we go, I got a plan. I got a plan. Was the TV show? I love it when a plan comes together. 18. My plans never come together. They're always changing. It's foolish to trust in humans. See, your best plans, your best schemes will die with you. See, we need to remember, in terms of life on this earth, we fall under the sovereign plan of God. He is in control, not us. And it's important here that David makes the distinction that men tend to trust in others for their salvation. Do you see that? Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. See, people want to find salvation almost anywhere other than God. Salvation is not found in man. And I ask you today, where have you placed your trust in regards to your spiritual destiny? Where is your trust? In your own thoughts? Your own philosophy? Your own ideas? The teachings of another man? Are you trusting in your own goodness? Are you planning and praying and hoping that God will grade on a curve? I just got to beat that guy into heaven. That's going to be easy. Because the whole world picks Hitler. Who was tremendously evil. And they say, I'm good with God. I'm better than Hitler. That's not the case. You're dead in your sins. Is what scripture says. We all are in need of a savior. And so what happens is in ourselves, we become self-righteous. Because we just need to beat that guy. <coughs> just a little bit better than the next person. Where do you stand in relationship to a holy God? Do you meet his standard? Are you perfect? Are you without sin? See, because that's what God calls us to. Thankfully, he made a way in Christ to become our righteousness. But do not trust in yourself or in any man in regards to your salvation, our trust must be in Christ alone. We must place our faith in the work that God the Father planned and executed in and through Jesus Christ. On the cross, he took our sins. Trust in him alone. Put your self-righteousness away because you're not righteous. You need the righteousness of Christ. Unless we forget, these aren't the funnest verses in scripture, but we need to know, you are not trustworthy. Any of you ever fool yourself on something? Hey, did you study for the test? I got this. Uh-oh. You fooled yourself. A lot of kids in the youth group, hey, I'm getting my permit. Oh yeah, cool. Did you read the handbook? No. I've been in a car my whole life. All right, let me know how it goes. Hey, where's your permit? Don't have it yet. Oh, how many did you miss? Too many. They don't even want to tell you. What are you doing now? Reading the handbook. From such confidence to such shame. By the way, I didn't pass the first time either. That conversation was very similar. I don't need that. I, I, I took driver's ed. I'm good. You know, we joke about that, but how many people, if you went to them to say, and you went to them today and said, if you died today, and God said, why should I let you into heaven? 
would come up with a list that would get them nowhere near. In fact, it would put them in hell. Hellish lies we tell ourselves. I'm good. I'm a good person. Romans 3 makes it clear. We are not trustworthy. It says this, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. It gets worse. Their throat is an empty grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of snakes is under their lips. Do you know when someone says, oh, you don't need to worry about Jesus, you don't need to worry about your sin, it's venom. It's poison, and it's poisoning the soul. And it's awful, hellish deception that people believe. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are misery and ruin, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the description of everyone ever born. Is that where you want to place your trust? In returns to your eternal salvation. That would be foolish. Would you recommend to anyone to place trust in any who are unrighteous without understanding, not seeking for God or his wisdom? They're terrible advisors. They're evil workers. They're deceivers. They're murderers. The miserable and those who are in utter room. Do not put your trust in man. And it is amazing through the years have I've talked to people and they'll come up and, and for a moment they seem to be legitimately asking for help. Ron, can you help me with something? I'll try. What would you like to talk about? And they'll say something, and you give them biblical answers to solve their problems. You direct them to the cross. You direct them to Christ. And even in grace, you say, you can't be successful. You need Christ. And his grace will move you forward. And they walk away. Oh, but they'll run to the next self-help book that's available, which is just a reprint from what was written 40, 50, 60, 70, whatever years ago. People run to people. If, you, if people think that another person has the solution, they'll go to people first. I'll try that later. I'll try that later. It's foolishness. You all know what I'm talking about, right? People will try anything to solve their problems. They'll run to people, but they push God away. I would beg you, in terms of where you stand in Christ, in terms of your eternal destiny, do not place your trust in man. And by saying that, I also say this, do not put your trust in yourself because you are a person. Put your faith in Christ. Why? Also, back in our text, look at the blessings to trust in God. We have a warning don't put your trust in man, but put your trust in God. And listen, look at this. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, 
who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over those on a journey. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. So you have a choice. Put your trust in yourself and put your trust in man or put your trust in God. And David here goes right into it and says this. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth. Think about creation for just a moment. I want to create something. About the best I could do is take something already created and I could probably pour some water and I could create a puddle. You're not impressed? I'm not either. In my mind, I could say, hey, I'm a pretty creative guy. Someone create something. Come on, anyone, anyone. Can you do it? Out of nothing, do it. You can't. God spoke. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I hope we get to see this someday in eternity. Because I bet it is awesome. Look at the universe. Look at the stars. And he spoke them into existence. Is that wimpy? Is that a feeble old man God with the beard worrying about his creation? Oh, I hope they're okay. No, it's a powerful, mighty, omnipotent is the big word for it, all-powerful God. I don't know about you. You could choose feeble man who can't create anything apart from God's grace, and by the way, he gives common grace to those who don't know Christ, who make fantastic music and art and, and wonderful inventions that help man. That's part of God's common grace. But it's coming from what he already created. He's the start. Trust in that. And we just saw, hey, the guy who invented the telegraph, good on him. He did well. But he wanted to stop there. He said, my creation's complete. I don't want the toy of the telephone. He was too foolish to see past. He was proud of what he had already done. Trust in that or trust in God, the creator, all-powerful. Not only that, he's faithful forever. Did you see that in there? Verse 6. Who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. He can be trusted. He does not move. In his power, he doesn't change. And so when he says, you can trust me, you can trust him. You know what's awesome? Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. Trustworthy? 
Amen. Yes, that's trustworthy. He is faithful. He's all-powerful in all his deeds. He spoke creation to existence. And he's powerfully faithful to his people who trust him. He does not leave us or forsake us. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He gives provision. Why can we trust God? We trust God for his power. We trust him for his provision. He sets the prisoners free. Did you know in Christ you're a freed prisoner? Isn't that awesome? Did you know we sing it? My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has rescued or ransomed me. This is what we proclaim. This is what we sing. This is what the scriptures teach. Do you know you've been brought from death to life? You were dead in your sins, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, made us alive in Christ and seated us with him. He opens the eyes of the blind. Did you know in the Old Testament, this is interesting, he says this, in the Old Testament, there are no records of physical blindness being healed. What did Christ do? He did it often. What a picture. Can you imagine being blind? With the high schoolers uh, and junior hires, every once in a while, I, I don't do it too often, about once every two to three years, I have them come into the room and I put a, bolt, a blindfold on them. Spin them around about 20 times, just because it's fun to spin them a little extra. <laughs> so they're disoriented. Did, or, whatever, they're disorientated. Whatever. They're confused. <laughs> and they can't see. And I make them spend the whole time in youth group blind. And we teach on the blind man being healed. You know how hard it is to be blind? Who's next to you? I don't know. And I have fun with them. You know, I pretend like I'm going to punch them, and they don't, they don't even flinch. Did you know that probably, knowing how wicked people are, that when you were blind in the time of Christ, the punch probably didn't stop? Because they viewed it as a curse? You're a sinner, you're blind. And they'd whack them. Didn't see it coming. No pun intended. It's awful. God gives us sight. What a merciful action of Christ when he opens the eyes of the blind. So not only we see in Christ we have the physical sight, but what about our spiritual sight? Again, trust in man, you're trusting a blind person to lead you. They will lead you off a cliff. They will lead you to hell. You will lead yourself to hell because you're blind. Christ gives sight. And he revealed himself in the scriptures and says, Salvation is found in me. I paid the price. In Christ we have true sight. What else? He lifts us up. In him the low are exalted. You know, princes and presidents and kings get their glory now, don't they? Somewhat. They also get assassinated and have a lot of trials also. I mean, it's, it's a rough, rough deal. But in him, in Christ, the lower exalted, he upholds us, he protects us, he loves the righteous. He gives us his peace and his protection. That's why we can say, be anxious for nothing. Trust in me, trust in God. 
What's it say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Do you know when God guards? When he guards us, he guards us. Psalm 3.3, Lord, you are a shield about me. You're my glory, the lifter of my head. At camp, we play a game. Uh, I don't play it because I'm too old. But they shoot tennis balls out of an air compressor gun. And you have to get to the end and grab a flag and come back. And these things are cooking. It hurts. I've taken a ball or two for the team uh, for points. And um, it's not fun. But they give them like a little snow shield, you know, like the little disc saucer. Well, that doesn't do a whole lot of good. And so you have your shield, and they're trying to stay low and, you know, do this. God is a shield about us. He's got our back. He's got our sides. He's got the whole thing. You want your own wimpy, non-existent shield? Or place your trust in God? Today, we need to decide where we will place our trust. Trusting in man is foolish. But in Christ, there's eternal blessing. God loves the righteous, and how are we made right? How are we made righteous? Well, as Paul said in Philippians, chapter three, if you want to turn there, we'll close on that verse. See, Paul had tried the trusting in self game. He did a lot of, uh, he thought he was doing a lot of good works. He thought that he was good with God. He kept the law perfectly. He put all his confidence in the works that he had done. In verse 4 of chapter 3, he says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in themselves, in their works, I have more. And he lists off this resume that is spectacular for those who are trying to do it themselves. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He was doing the work. He was running on that treadmill. But what's he say? But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss or nothing, trash, for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from my works or from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. If you are stuck today in a trap of saying, I need to work myself into God, I need to work for my salvation, stop. Run to Christ. He did the work on the cross. Trust in his grace.
See, you can trust in man or yourself, which is foolish, or you can trust in an all-powerful God who made a way in Christ Jesus. For those of you who are saved, what's this do for our anxiety, for the things that worry us? We have God on our side. Trust in him. Go to his word. Go to prayer. The psalm closes. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask Jeff to close us in prayer as we prepare uh, for a closing song. And uh, God is good. Thank you, Ron, for that. It's so easy to trust in, in things about us. Um, you know, the old phrase, I'm trusting the government. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. There's, there's all kinds of things that we're called to trust in. But I'm reminded of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And Ron told us beautifully about not trusting in man, not trusting in princes, not trusting what man can do, but trusting in Christ, trusting in the God who created everything. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to trust you. Father, open our eyes to not put our faith in the things of man, the things that people can do for us, the things that, that can, we think relieve our fears, relieve our anxieties, Give us confidence in, in the way we go, for we know that you are the one who directs our steps. Father, you are the God of all. You are sovereign. Father, what a joy it is to relieve our burdens, to place them at your feet, to know that you care for us and you love us. So, Father, let us trust in you. Father, thank you for Ron's message. Thank you for his showing us the word, for showing us that even as David said so long ago, don't trust in princes. Don't put your faith in men. Men will always let us down at one time or another, Father. We are not a church that worships man. We do not build ourselves around a preacher. We do not build ourselves around a personality. We preach Christ. We trust in Christ's work to save us. Father, bless us as we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.